It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left of Sanderson, Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr from the Boston Bruins! 30 seconds left in the period, the Bruins are shorthanded. Ray Bork. What's up, Bruins fans? Host Mark Allred here, back for episode 180 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We have a lot of things to go through uh, today. have a very special guest. But before we get into all the details about that special guest, I'd like to talk about show sponsor, betonline.ag. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline.ag has hundreds of games, events, and sports to get your wagering fix on. You can bet on simulated NFL, NBA, UFC, and even participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline.ag has ex-Chicago, ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the final dance. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. And don't forget to use code CLNS50 when you sign up for a free account. That's CLNS50. 
betonline.ag, your online wagering solutions. So like I said, for episode 180, I have a very special guest coming on. He is the host of the Third Man in Hockey podcast. He's a good friend of mine. His name is Mike Hickey. Before we get Mike on, we need to drop a little word about Awaken 180 from Cedric Maxwell. And we will listen to that now, and then we'll just get right into my interview with Third Man in Podcast host, Mike Hickey. As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds, and we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coach. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 186 locations, but during this lockdown, they're starting clients virtually. The same program from the comforts of your home. Simply log in to awaken180weightloss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. And we're back after hearing from Celtics great Cedric Maxwell on Awaken 180. He's used it. Everybody else is using it. You should check it out, too, for your weight loss solutions. But with that being said, here's my interview with Mike Hickey. As mentioned earlier in the show, I, I, was, I do have a very special guest, and he is the host of the Third Man Podcast. Third Man In Podcast, I'm sorry. His name is Mike Hickey. Mike, welcome back to the show, bud. How are you doing? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, it's, a long, it's a long time coming, I, but it, it, like, and I said this last week and the week before that, all these guests that I'm having on now, it takes a pandemic for the things to happen. So it's, uh, it's good, but I'm glad that you're, you're able to come in and talk uh, a little bit Bruins hockey. But um, to get started, why don't we talk about your podcast, The Third Man In, that you do with, uh, with Charles? Yeah, I mean, me and Charles have been doing this now for a, a little over a year. Uh, we had a third host up until a couple months ago, Terry Ryan, Terry left the show and now it's just me and Chuck kind of going on. And I mean, it's been a little bit tricky because not long after Terry left was when all this kind of happened and hockey got put on hold and, and all that. And, and like the show, we've always kind of been open talking about like mental health issues and stuff on the show too. And so like with everything that's happening and how easy it is to be anxious and kind of overwhelmed and things, uh, me and Chuck kind of decided that we do a show, we do the show when we felt like doing the show and, and we talk about hockey when we felt there was like stuff to talk about, but we didn't want to kind of force, force it and just like 
have calls and like do zoom calls to do the show despite anything. So we've just been kind of like, they've been much more sporadic, but we're hoping that once hockey comes back, we'll get back to weekly and um, do a bunch of fun stuff. Like this weekend actually was supposed to be the heart uh, and stroke hockey heroes weekend, but we were going to be playing with a bunch of alumni and we were going to get to do like some play by play live streams of games and like a whole bunch of stuff. And obviously that got canceled, but um, you know, we're, we're really anxious to get back at it and get back to playing some hockey and getting back to talking about some hockey and watching some hockey and just hockey to be a thing that exists again. Yeah, no, I completely understand. It's 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 heart wrenching not to have the game return or finish for that matter. Um, there's so many this unfinished business that's going on with this pause, and and hopefully things get back together sooner or later, and it picks up because I really do enjoy your podcast. And like you said, you've had it on for a year, and uh, every episode that comes through, I have to listen to it at work. It's uh, one of my weekly listens when you guys do record on the regular. But uh, yeah, I mean. Talk about Newfoundland. I mean, 2020 has been really tough for you guys. It's, it's first, first it was that damn snowstorm yeah. and then bam, Corona. Yeah. Well, we kind of had a, a, a bit of a warm up. Like we had an, like, you know, some ex- expedition, exhibition games and stuff, I guess, for the coronavirus, where we had um, this brutal storm back in January, um, shut St. John's down. Like St. John's was in a state of emergency for like eight days. You weren't allowed to go out. You weren't allowed to go to grocery stores. Like, you know, it was like the same kind of thing that we're dealing with now. Um, but it was completely shut down because we got dumped with like, in one day, we got something like six, seven feet of snow. Oh, jeez. Um, and like hurricane winds through, the, through it and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was really rough and it was really trying. I mean, we went from, I think, the big, like the, around Christmas time to like the end of January, I think we hit something like 11 feet of snow. That is absolutely so, insane. Yeah. I mean, we get, we, you know, we usually have rough winters up here. Um, I mean, it, it's, you know, people live in Newfoundland for a reason. I'm one of them. I still don't know what that reason is. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, um, I mean, a bunch of my family, like, settled in Newfoundland and the rest went on to Boston. So I'm just like, I could have been with them. That would have, could have hitched a ride. Like, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been hard. And then, you know, we got back from that and we were, you know, back kind of half to normal and kind of easing back into things and waiting for all the snow to go. And it was like a month or so. I ended up going to uh, New York for a weekend and, and had a trip to New York City in just before everything locked down. And I got back and, you know, that was mid-March and everything's just been kind of locked down since then. But we're in a kind of a good spot now. Um, because we're an island, it's got, you know, it's a little bit easier to control things. We had something like 260 cases here in Newfoundland total. Um, and like 200 of them came from one cluster like it was like somebody went to a funeral and gave it to a bunch of people at the funeral home and then they gave it to a bunch of people and most of it came from that but we've gotten pretty much under control since then and we're down to three active cases and all of them are in the hospital so it's looking like as far as and that and it's been 16 days since we've had a new case here that's so it looks like at least for the first wave of this, we're, you know, somewhat in a good position. And hopefully if we can keep the, the kind of controls on people coming in and out of the province and can kind of keep that locked down, then we should be in a pretty good position to like ease back some of the, you know, the social measures that have been put in place to keep everybody safe. Um, you know, we, we we're, I think we're in a position to kind of relax a little bit on those. We've already had, you know, like a phase plan of stuff that um, people are supposed to be doing in terms of, um, like a phase plan of like this kind of store can open at this point and this kind of service can start being provided again when we reach phase whatever. And they've already started kind of amending that and going, okay, like 
dog groomers weren't supposed to be able to open up until sometime in June and they're all allowed to open as of Monday now. So like, you know, there's been some things like that where they're speeding up some of the processes and hopefully we'll have, you know, a bit of a summer after the winter we've had because it's been a winter, man. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I saw some of the time elapsed. I'm not sure if it was from Terry or you or even Charles that posted it online um, on the front porch and man, that snow just went up, up basically to the roof. It yeah. was just absolutely crazy. So I, um, I was pretty lucky on, on that end. It didn't get my house too bad because I live on kind of top of a hill. So everything kind of drifted away from us. But I, I know some people who had some rough goes. Chuck Street was like completely covered up to his door. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. And, and talking about Corona um, in, the, in Massachusetts where, where I live, um, it, it, we're doing the same thing. We're starting to phase in. I've been working completely through it because I'm an essential employee. Um, so it's, it's kind of good to get out of the house for eight hours and do my job and so on. But it's like, you know, sometimes I like to go out and have a beer afterwards, a nice big steak. And, and that's just been like taken away from me and, and my wife and so on. So we just, we're getting itchy. We actually went out and, and hung around with some friends at a campfire, uh, on Friday and, uh, and, uh, you know, just, just, it was good to get out and just to socialize. I mean, we, we were, we distanced ourselves and so yeah. on. We did the appropriate and kept it under 10 people. I think there was only like six. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was just good to get out a good feeling, but I'm, I'm ready for this to be over with. I'm ready for, to just get the world back together. And hopefully the second wave, like you said, yeah. you'd be p- better prepared for it. You know, it's more like uh, trial by error. And then the second time comes around and, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're ready. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, here we've been allowed to double our bubble, like, because of the way things were going and how lucky we've been with that. They let us do this thing called doubling your bubble. So if you have, like, your social bubble, that's, like, your household and, like, you and your wife. And if you have, like, a family member you had still been seen through all this kind of stuff, you were allowed to kind of partner up with another social bubble like that and spend time together. So a couple of weeks ago, we started being able to hang out with a couple friends of ours, like my buddy who was my best man at my wedding, him and his wife just live a couple streets over. So we've been going over and having meals with them and hanging out. And it's just, it's been a whole thing for your mental health to be able to just like chill with people again. Yeah. Speaking of mental health, how's the tiki bar? (laughs) It's been helping. (laughs) Um, You know, it's still kind of cold here today. It's pretty nice. So I might head out to the whaler. The Rusty Whaler is the name of my tiki bar. I might head out there in a little bit for uh, for a drink, but we'll see what happens. I, I had a, I had several uh, I had several adult beverages at uh, my friend's place last night, so uh, I'm not sure if I'm really up for some for some uh, stuff today. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. Well, if I ever make my way up to Newfoundland, I got to stop by that bar. Oh, you've got to, man. You got to come by and fish and, and kiss a cod, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing we do. Uh, we trick people into doing uh, to be silly, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, uh, let's let's talk about. Um, oh, by the way, where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, I'm at Hickey Comma Mike. Okay, thank you very uh, much. Yeah, I mean, I've got other things like obviously we've got three of my podcast has a um, has a Twitter handle and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like my, I'm at Hickey Comma Mike, and like any other thing I'm working on usually gets pumped through there. So absolutely. Um, how about some Bruins talk? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, because the last time I was a little, I got my fandom uh, a little, a little too high, and we didn't really talk Bruins at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, what are your thoughts on the NHL draft being held without having the final regular season standings set in stone? I don't like it. Um, I don't like it at all. 
you know, it's one of those things like that's the way I like that's obviously like stuff's going to have to change this year and it's going to be different. And uh, I think that if they're talking about changing up the playoff format and bringing in 24 teams and doing, which they're obviously talking about doing and it's going to be happening, thankfully hope it looks like um, I think that, yeah, like you got to make some changes and do different stuff. I, you know, like, I, I don't know how it's going to affect the lottery. It's going to obviously have some play on a, a bunch of different stuff, but if all of a sudden of your lower teams, um, a bunch of them get in the playoffs now, it becomes like this whole thing. And you've got a chance that teams that should be in the playoffs and should be picking based on the regular season should be picking lower or uh, should be picking higher. I should say, or whichever direction, like higher numbers, uh, <laughs> you know, like teams that could should be doing that might now get, you know, a bit of a, a, a lower pick and stuff. So I don't know. I, I don't like it, but I think everything this year is, is going to be a little bit different and it's all going to have an asterisk and, and you got to accept that. And, you know, it's, it's tough, especially because you're talking about uh, like a generational player this year, um, you know, Alexei Lafreniere. And, um, you know, I think he's got a chance to really be a big deal and having his draft class, especially kind of messed around like this. It, it sucks, but I mean, look what happened. Crosby was the same deal. He was coming out of a lockout and, and they had to do like a full lottery and it was like a whole thing. So I don't know, man. I like, I, yeah, either way, I don't think it's really going to affect the Bruins all that much. Right. Like either way, the Bruins were going to be picking late and <laughs> we're going to be picking late. So yeah, they don't have a first round pick either. They, they're yeah, going to be like, going right in the second round. So it's really not going to affect them, but it, it might affect the way that if Don Sweeney, how Don Sweeney wants to take this, moving forward because there's there's a lot of rumors that he wants to get back into the first round and possibly make a trade and and that that could it's a crazy thing where a gm wants a first round pick yeah crazy yeah. stuff like who would ever think that like that kind of money ball yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy but uh you know you had to give up that first round pick to uh to shed some salary in the david backus right yeah so um i don't know i mean there's, there's a lot of players in this draft that I really like, and, and there's, there's particularly one that I'm looking at. Uh, and his name is uh, Lucas Cormier, and he's a puck-moving defenseman. It reminds me so much of Tory Krug. Right. You know, but uh, unfortunately, you know, you're not going to be able to get into that first round because you don't have that pick. But right. also, you know, I and don't honestly, know. Like, there's not a whole lot in terms of – like I love this Bruins team. I absolutely adore this team. And so I don't know if there's too much to really move to warrant it. Right. Like to lose oftentimes if you're giving up, you know, for picks, it's not just another prospect that you're giving up in that case. It's somebody kind of established who's got some games. And so uh, there's not really anybody on the team. I'd want to move to take a chance on somebody right now, just because they are so strong, you know, up and down. And I'm busy, like looking at cap, like cap friendly, trying to figure out how we can keep everybody <laughs> as opposed to like, who are we shipping out of town to take a chance on a kid who probably won't play for three years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't knock the second round. You know what I mean? I tell that to fans all the time. We got Brandon Carlo in the second round. You got Jeremy Laws in the second round. Good. I love that kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I have him as the next captain. Honestly. Oh, I don't not no, I don't think he's gonna be next captain because like Patrice is gonna be the next captain. With two full seasons left, you think he'll take it? What's that? With two full seasons left, do you think uh Patrice will take a captain? Yeah. I think he's more of a silent type. I don't I don't, I don't know, think and I think I think this guy earned it. And I think he's got more than two seasons left in him. So, you know. Cool. I think uh 
it all depends, I think, on, on Chara. Obviously, he's on, what, the last of a, last of a two-year now? Or was he, is yeah. he just like one and one and one and one and one? But yeah. um, I think is probably coming back. Um, I think that, you know, I think Chara coming back really depends on what happens this year. Like, if they pull it off and get a cup this year, which, you know, they were in a position to do a couple months ago, I think Chara might hang him up. But if, uh, it, you know, if – they, because of all this, because it's kind of held up weird, he wants to take another run at it. I think he's got it in him if, if he really puts himself to it. So I think if, if Chara retires, definitely Bergeron right away. Um, and I, you know, I, I think Carlo's young to, to get it right now. I don't think he's necessary. Like, I think he's getting an A. Um, whenever there's a shakeup in something now, I think he's definitely getting an A. But I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if he'd get the C right away. Yeah, so that's no, that's a good, good opinion right there. I mean, I, 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 I absolutely adore Patrice Bergeron. He's just been the ultimate Bruin, you know, and he's going to have his number up in the Raptors. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, um, but he just seems like that type of person that doesn't want that pressure on his shoulders. I think he's just more of a a guy that addresses the room from the heart and so on. He doesn't need that letter, but it remains to be seen. This might be something that he does want, maybe in his final season. Hopefully they retain him and he can, you know, continues to play because he's, I mean, I, I've never seen a player like him go through the battle wounds uh, throughout the years. A, you know, a broken uh, rib, a punctured lung, and a groin issues, uh, and he just keeps finding ways to to remain healthy and and stay in the lineup. Um, not consistently, but you know, more than people expect after going through stuff like that. So. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the guy's definitely somebody who fights through a lot of stuff, and I think that really says a lot to his heart. And I think the thing about the type of guy you're talking about, like I don't think Bergeron – I think it's good Chara came when he did because I think if Chara wasn't there and wasn't this kind of like Iron Man kind of defenseman to, to take on the sea and be the captain this whole time, I think Bergeron probably would have got it a lot like a few years ago. And I think he might have – I think you might've seen the same sort of thing that happened with Thornton where it was just not the right fit and it was too much pressure in that market. And it just wasn't, didn't work for him and he would struggle for it now being, you know, in his mid thirties uh, being, you know, not looking to carry this from like his mid twenties on, I think it's something that he could, you know, like, I, I think it's something that he, he certainly could do. And honestly, with the type of guy he's been, I think he deserves to have his name on the list of captains of that team. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so let's go back to discussing uh, the 24-team NHL Stanley Cup playoff format. Um, The league and the players at Union got together, and they agreed on um, moving forward in the process of of talks and uh, getting things hammered out. Um, And it is – I believe that this is only for this season. I'm not sure if they want to go any higher – than 16 uh after this no the nhl playoffs are already the most grueling playoff in pro sports they are physical they're intense it goes on for two months as it is you have four rounds of seven game series um it's a very intense thing after 82 games of professional hockey 
I don't think you can add extra teams to it. I think anybody who's saying like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna stick with this after. It's like, no, they're not. If they did, they'd have to shorten the season. Like yeah. they'd have to shorten the regular season in order to do it. And I don't think they would want to do that anyway. Um, so, so especially not as you're adding new teams to the league, you know, there's another expansion coming up. And so, yeah, I, I think it's obviously just a one-year thing. Everything this year is going to be different. You have to accept that there's asterisks on everything. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it's, it's a new format for this year and this year only to accommodate all the changes that are happening, but I can't see it holding on. Like I, I can't imagine a world where the NHL would want to add this extra round to the playoffs and the players would be okay with it. Yes. I mean, for, for me and, and a lot of my listeners that um, have asked questions about this, um, it, it is, it is purely for the what if factor. Yeah. There, there was 181 regular season games that had to be played, which is tw- an average of 12 per game per team. Sorry. So that what if factor now they're like, Oh, th- they want Montreal to get in and they want Chicago to get in. No, it's not what they want. It's they, what if Chicago and Montreal went on a 12 game winning streak yeah. in a regular playoff scenario, in a regular 82-game schedule, and squeaked into the playoffs if nothing happened, if COVID never happened. Yeah. That's, that's that benefiting factor that you have to think about. Exactly, when, yeah. It's so, teams that are on the cusp, right? And that you don't know what could have happened in 12. Like, 12 games of pro hockey can change a lot of things. Um, I think that, yeah, like, it's just putting any team that was kind of close, especially, like, was it – I can't even remember now, but I think it was because um, I haven't actually looked at the standings in so long. <laughs> I just stopped. <laughs> I, um, but I mean, I, one of the conferences was like ridiculously tight, right? Like you had, um, I mean, in the East, I think everybody w- had a pile of points. Like there was like more cumulative points in the East than there was in the West. And the teams were really close and it was like this whole thing. And yeah, it was just to like be fair to those teams that almost like, you know, had a chance and were still fighting for their lives and hoping to kind of squeak into the playoffs. And I think you kind of got to give in that scenario when you've been robbed of 12 regular season games, give them a play in series. That's what best of five. I think they're doing with those. Yeah. The first round, that's what they're discussing right now. And then the, the other option is that after that first round, um, the lower teams play, but the, the, like a team like the Bruins that had 100 points are going to get a, a first week bye or a first playoff bye, but, which is just more I, rest. What I saw that I really liked, and I don't know if they're still talking about doing that if it's been floated out, but I saw somebody uh, talk about those top four teams in each conference basically playing like a round robin to reseed. So, um, you know, the, the Bruins – the Capitals, the Lightning, and um, oh, I can't even remember who it was. I was looking at it earlier. Was uh, it Columbus? No, no, no. Oh, it wasn't Columbus. Columbus was supposed to play Toronto. Um, let me look at the standings. Or um, I just had this up. Uh, where is it? Right here. Um, and Philly. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. they would play each other, and you know they would play each other, and then the this number one seed and would kind of go from there and that's why when you look at like even on uh you guys shared out sports nets uh like uh josh uh did a, a thing on black and gold where he shared out sports nets tweet about it and if you look they don't have the seeds like placed in the in the bracket because they talk about having them play for their standing um and so the bruins depending on what happens in that four team round robin might not land land the number one seed out of the conference um, 
And I don't like that because I think they should get the number one seed because they were walking away with it. But at the same time, I like them having some competitive hockey to play before you just go into the playoffs after three or four months off. So, you know, my thought is that if they're going to do that and ha- and have that kind of happen, I'd love to see that uh, kind of seeding round be weighted so that, you know, it's um, there's already kind of a point advantage to how you finished off the regular season and you just kind of move in relation to that. So like the Bruins would still be going into that in first place, a few points up and it's basically like Philly or whoever would be in fourth has to kind of fight their way up the ladder, you know? So that's the way I'd like to see it. And then it also, you know, gives, you know, some more stakes to some of the teams and just gives them some competitive hockey to play before all of a sudden you're in the first round of the playoffs. And it's the first thing you played since March. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of. I mean, even going back in the years, wasn't a fan of reseeding after the first round because it, it really got some logistics mess. Um, travel really yeah, screwed I mean, up. You can't, you can't bank on anything, right? You can't plan on anything. Like right. if you if if it if it holds through, you kind of know what your path is to the cup. Um, you know, kind of who you're facing, all this kind of stuff. I like to some degree. I kind of like reseeding, but. Um, like I like it in principle, but in practice, it's just like a logistical nightmare. Yeah, and and my thought is, and I've I've heard several discussions that the the NHL does want to get away from um, the, everything that they're doing right now with the whole wild card and go back to one through eight seating, uh, like the old style, and and yeah. and because you're not going to see Toronto every single year. It doesn't it doesn't match up those those um, rivalries, you know what I mean? Uh, so often it just really just a one through eight basic. And I, I just like, I like the way the old way was doing it. I, I, I'm not a fan of football, but it just seems like the NHL was following the NFL in that whole wildcard thing. It's just like, if it's working for there, you know, be creative and get your own ideas. And, and I mean, that's, that's the only problem with this 24 team thing is that it basically gives you four wild cards, right? Like that's kind of the whole idea is that you have four teams that were outside that might come in and just shake things up. And that's stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. I get the idea of like, they want to include more teams and all that. And, but again, I, I, I don't think it's going to be something that holds on um, just because, you know, it, it, it's just a nightmare. Like the season's long enough. The playoffs are hard, long and hard enough. Um, that you don't need to do a best of three play in series um, and kind of give the other teams either a week off or just like a round robin to play or like whatever. Right. But again, like I like the, I, the, I like the idea of the round robin just because it does the same thing that the, the play in does where it just gives those teams a chance to kind of like, okay, you were a top team. You were kind of locked into one of the top spots, but you might've slipped a little bit or you might've made up some ground and it's the same sort of idea there. So I do like it, but I just, you know, as a, as somebody whose favorite team was like walking away with the conference then like, yeah, I kind of want it weighted so that they can't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, next one is uh, with the financial impact that the NHL is going to take moving forward due to COVID-19 pause and the salary cap that could remain at $81.5 million for the next two or three years. Do you see players like David Krejci or goaltender Tuka Rass returning after contracts expire next season? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, Rask, I think – I mean, there's been a bunch of question marks around Rask, and people are talking about even if he's looking at retiring early or whatever. I think Rask is sticking it out. Um, I think for sure. Krejci is a little bit older. Um, actually, is he even older or is he the same age? Might be the same age. 
Uh, I'm on cap friendly right now. Krejci is 34. And yeah, Rask is 33. But yeah, uh, yeah, like you know, it's um, I, like I, it's tricky because like with Krejci, I I feel like he's just at his age and at where he is in his career. Um, he's probably not getting seven two on his next contract, regardless. So. I think at what state, at what price point you're going to get that guy? Like, yeah, he could he could theoretically stick around. I think Rask is a, you know, he's a franchise goaltender, and you want to you want to keep him as long as you can keep him. Um, he's 33, and as a goalie, he's got another contract in him for sure. Um, so yeah, I would I would say Rask is is a bit higher priority for me in in that regard. But um, Krejci's still productive. It's just that you know Krejci's not making seven two on his next deal. So depending on what that deal winds up being like, yeah, like do what you can to keep them, but do what you can to keep them for like at least under five, five. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both contracts are going to have to be uh cap friendly. Don Sweeney, if, if he's yeah. around at that time, um, we'll have to I do his. I don't imagine Don Sweeney's going anywhere. In I don't, Don I don't Sweeney. either. I don't either. But with GMs these days, you never know. Well, this season with coaches was just bonkers. So yeah. Was it eight? With, I think it was eight or nine by yeah. the time it was all said and done. And it became that weird thing of like, is it, is it coaching? Is it personality? Is it like whatever? Like because of all that stuff that, that happened early in the season. I mean, we thought that was the crazy part about this season. It's like all the coaches are getting fired. This is nuts. Like <laughs> this one's going to be a season for the books. And you're like, what the hell happened? Like just give me coach upheaval as long as there's hockey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think, uh, I, I think, I think Sweeney's likely safe. And the same thing with Cassidy. Like I don't see those guys going anywhere anytime soon but i mean look at look at julian and, and you know he he lost in the cup finals in 13 and was gone by 15 right so yep. i mean anything can really happen if a team stops responding to a guy but it, it seems right now like cassie and, and and sweeney are both safe but yeah i think um i think there's a lot of work to be done i think it really is going to affect what happens with guys like um with guys like krug I basically think like Krug and Krejci are going to have to swap contracts uh, in terms of their cap hit and for, you know, if both of them are going to stick around, I think you Krug deserves, I think what Krejci's getting around seven, two. And I think Krejci on his next deal, just because he's kind of on the downside of his, you know, I, th I think it's safe to say that Krejci's probably on the downside of his career. Um, and you know, he can still get over five, but not much over five I'd say. And so I think that's going to have to kind of swap in order for him to stick around. And then, also look at a guy like DeBrusque, who I love. Um, if anybody is ever on Twitter, they know I'm a huge, huge Jake DeBrusque fan. And uh, I think even as inconsistent as he is, I think his inconsistency is what gets you him for a bit of a steal. Like in terms of like what you're going to pay for Jake DeBrusque when Jake DeBrusque is good, um, I think you're going to get him for a really good price because there's a whole bunch of time where Jake DeBrusque isn't quite at his peak. And I think it's uh, as he works to get there I, um, and, and be consistent, I think you're going to see the Bruins get him for a pretty good price. Yeah. I hopefully that happens. I'm a huge DeBrusque fan too. Dating back to his WHL days and uh, Swift Current and, and, um, and uh, what was the other point team he played for? Ah, anyway, the um, the Krejci thing definitely gonna have to come down. I know he still wants to play. He's he's been talking about it uh, with reporters in the locker room that he wants to continue to keep playing. Um, is 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 that the NHL or is that him saying keep playing somewhere in the world? Because there have been rumors that he would want to go back to his native Czech Republic to play for their pro team and go home, but that remains to be seen. But on the RAS situation, it's very 
complicated in my opinion because if you don't have the compatibility of the 1A, 1B that they have right now with Yaroslav Halak, thankfully they signed him. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I think um, his longevity is going gonna, is gonna to go not only, you know, with the contract negotiations coming up after the next season, but like a sustainable backup that's going to get him the, the rest that he needs to be good uh, in the, in the long run. Cause he can't play 60, 70 games anymore. Like they used to. Yeah. Now you, ha- you know, you're pretty much forced into getting a backup that you pay a little bit of more money for, even though Halak took a really nice deal to stay yeah. for that one year. But um, you know, if you get another guy that could eat up 40 games, you know, Tuka's going to be a nice, healthy um guy to go into any any offseason so or postseason sorry yeah and I think you're you're right there I think the whole thing is that 1a and 1b really really works for Tuka Rask um he's a guy who he can go out and um he can he can win you 60 games a year but you want 16 of those to be in the playoffs you know and that's the thing is that he can win you 60 games a year but you want to keep him down so that he doesn't have to win all those in the regular season. Um, and I think that's where a guy like Halak comes in and, you know, um, there's some fatigue, like you saw like a deep cup run, like Tuca just was exhausted by the time game seven rolled around last year. Um, so were a lot of guys on that team and it kind of showed in late in the first period. Um, but yeah, I think that a guy like Halak for another year, I think what happens with Halak moving forward, Halak's a couple years older than Tuka, um, but who they potentially, you know, whether or not he, he signs another deal, whether or not they get somebody else, it needs to be somebody who can, yeah, eat up 40 games of that regular season schedule um, and make it so that, you know, when you're looking for Tuka to win 50, 60 games, there are 16 of those games that are saved for the postseason. And I mean, that's what you obviously want. Um, but at the same time, you want a guy who you want to put yourself in a position where like, if something does happen to Tuka Rask, you've got a Yaroslav Halak who you can like confidently go, okay, this guy's still a number one goaltender who can make a, a good cup run and can win you a bunch of games. And I mean, there's times in the season where people, obviously like people are back and forth on it and especially on Twitter. Cause that's what Twitter's there for. But um you know, people are back and forth on it, but like Tuka Rask is, is a phenomenal goaltender and he's probably going to go down in history as one of the greatest Bruins goaltenders of all time. And Yaroslav Halak, if it, if he w- wasn't tandemed with Tuka Rask could be in that conversation, but he's just like, you know, like, like Yaroslav Halak would be the starting goaltender on, you know, probably 25 other NHL teams right now, but he takes that one B role and it really works for him. Yeah. And we might as well transition uh, right to a Halak talk. <laughs> um, that's just Don Sweeney just working his magic. Um, and, and it, it might be a 50, 50 thing of, of being a GM, but also the player understanding that they, they, there's, there's unfinished business going on. And if it doesn't happen this season that he wants to be involved next season for another run, um, hopefully that happens either or, you know, win the cup this year, if it happens and then win it next year, even better. But, just the way Don works that salary cap with these players, I just I really hope that that this number coming down. They were at twenty million. Now they're at at eight, around eighteen. You still have to do some work with Tory Krug. 
Um, I'm still I'm still looking at him as a seven seven point five million, maybe even less. Maybe he goes the six point five like 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 Pastor and um, and Marshan and Bergeron, or actually Bergeron is making less than that. But you know, it, I just think it's it's the culture that's being installed here and with these guys that that you know. They're happy to play in Boston. And, and believe it or not, we've been Bruins fans for a long, long time. These types of years, this time frame right now that we're in, in the Don Sweeney era or tenure, whatever you want to call it, has been very good in my opinion because in previous years, nobody wanted to come to Boston. And I'm not sure why, but I, I kind of think of it as like sometimes the training facilities – when you bring a player in that, you know, you want to, you know, wine and dine and so on. And then you went to Wilmington's at the old barn where they practice and saw that facility. That's not too appealing to, to, to anybody, especially me as a media member uh, covering the, uh, the development camps and training camps and so on. But the, the warrior ice arena is just a bright light of like, you know, amenities it has an indoor track Wilmington had an outdoor those guys in July were running 100 yard sprints and it was crazy I mean people were puking passing out it was just absolutely nuts but the Warrior Ice Arena is just a very inviting thing and I think that that was a big turnaround for people uh, for players to really choose Boston to to become home yeah I, I think so and, and I mean like a lot's got to be said for the culture, right? Like, I mean, I know there was a big debate last week um, on, uh, on the athletic here. Uh, Sean McIndoe uh, posted a thing about the biggest upgrades teams made. And he mentioned uh, for the Bruins, he assigned that the biggest upgrade they made was going from Milt Schmidt to Harry Sinden as, as a GM. And people kind of lost their shit about it because they were just like, well, hang on now. And they like really took like talk down Sinden because they were like, yeah, they made the playoffs every year, but it was like, they didn't win a cut, like, you know, they didn't really win much during that time as much as they made the playoffs. And it was just kind of this perennial like thing and um, talk that through. And it's like, yeah, like that's the thing is like with the Bruins not winning, like, you know, even in that late eighties when they made the, the couple cup runs and stuff with, with Neely and with everybody, I mean, it was still just like after that, there wasn't a whole lot for 20 years, you know? And so it was that easy thing where, you don't want to go to a market that's, you know, especially as, as the NHL is popping up in, in Southern places, you don't want to go to a Northern climate. That's a hockey town where everybody loves and really like is meticulous and, and really into following the team and really critical of them. And yeah, if, if facilities and stuff are subpar and um, you know, the, the, there's a culture of kind of like being a little bit cheap and whatever it might be like, I mean, that happens and you don't want, and people don't want to go there when it's that. But right now the Bruins are, you know, they're the best team in hockey. They are, you know, despite only winning one cup in the last 10 years, I mean, you've got to put them up as like, you know, a kind of dynasty kind of thing in terms of like, they've created a winning culture. Um, They've, you know, made the cup finals three of the last 10 years. Um, You know, they, they're, they're, they're finishing top of the conference all the time. You know, they're making deep runs. Like, yeah, they're, they're a great team and they've got some of the best players in the league. And there's guys who, are just shining with them, right? Like, you know, they've got a, their first line is called the perfection line. It's so goddamn good. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, like you want to be part of that. You want to be part of that room and you want to be, uh, I think that one was me. Uh, you okay. want to be there and, and be part of that. And that's the thing is I, I think they've created that. And so, and they become really tight. I mean, you look at it like guys like 
Chara and, and, and Krejci and Marshawn and Bergeron and Rask have all been there during this whole thing. Like they all have cup rings from 2011. And they've been part of that whole thing and they've been the core of that team that long. And they've just brought in guys around who, who want to win. And, and, and now as you guys see guys like McAvoy and, and Krug and DeBrusque and um, Pasternak and, and, and Charlie Coyle kind of coming up and like kind of rounding out that core, like how, how would you not want to be – like if you were somebody who, who was playing pro hockey, how would that not be a team you want to be on? Yeah, it's very attractive. Very attractive to uh, – to, to think about you know it's and, it, and it's nice it's it's nice that you know the boston's finally getting more on the map they have been for years because of their the, the longevity that they've had in the league and and being the first u.s you know team to, to enter the nhl back in uh, 1924 so um yeah it's just it's just amazing to see how everything's being built you know and and, and constructed with uh with you know a salary cap that the team always spends up to because they're always pretty much involved in the, in the postseason play and so on. And, and to get that, you have to spend. And uh, that's why these, I always say it, these, these, you know, these entry level deals are important to get your youth involved too, because if you're spending big dollar on Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, I mean, they're not, it's not big money when you look at as a, at a league because you look at Chicago, you got Taves and Kane that are making 10-5 a, a piece. Mm -hmm. um, but these, these plug-and-play types of entry-level deals, they can get you involved and so on and keep you under the salary cap, which is, which is good. I mean, it, when, when folks go absolutely crazy when the Bruins don't spend money, I, just, I always say that you know, it's a league mandated ceiling and a league mandated floor. Then the Bruins are always, are always up against it. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, the years that I get people who have teams that don't, you know, don't spend and, and, and are like giving themselves a bunch of room and, and their fans are getting frustrated because they're saying the money is there and they're not using it and stuff. But yeah, it's like, you know, it's, we live in a world at this point where sports are incredibly analyzed and you're looking at all these kinds of metrics and all this different stuff to try to figure out the best way to like, you know, play money ball and try to find the cheapest solutions to stuff and, and stretch things out. And there's so many rules now in terms of what the cap is and how you have to use it and how many roster players and what, you know, your long-term IR stuff and all that kind of thing. It's just, it's really uh, an intense thing to manage. And yeah, like, you know, I think the Bruins are doing a great job of, you know, staying, you know, pretty high up there, but like just under where they need to be on it. Yeah. And, and speaking of cap crunch, um, with the seemingly, yeah, the cap crunch that could be over, uh, I worded that wrong. Um, let's just go the short term. Cause I, I typed this up absolutely horrible, <laughs> but uh, Kevin Miller, uh, we were up yeah. against the, the salary cap and uh, he's he, the guy's a warrior. Um, he's, he's done everything to be that typical Bruin. Um, always got your back when you need it, but uh, continues to struggle through injuries, even though he's trying to come back to be a hundred percent. He is a UFA at the end of this season, whenever they call it or whatever. Um, and he just had another setback again on, on his road to recovery. So thoughts on the idea of bringing him back? I mean, 
I, I like Kevin Miller. Uh, he's a great player. He's been with the team for, you know, he, he's been with the team, uh, you know, from go. And, you know, he, he puts up, you know, he puts up like okay-ish numbers and, you know, he's not, he doesn't really, um, <laughs> you know, he, he's, his, his production, it like as an, you know, right winger isn't quite what you want it to be. I think in terms of like, the guy, the guy has a role and he plays that role well when he can play it. But if injuries are always such a thing, like I'd you know, like he's on what two, five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's two, five with the type of injuries he's had, he hasn't played a game this season. Um, he only played 39 last year with seven assists on it. And, and so like, you know, on one hand you want to just be like, okay, here's another, here's, here's a one five or a one to stick around for a bit. Um, because he has kind of, you know, he does, he's one of those guys who does whatever the team asks him to do. But, you know, if you're hurt all the time and we're in a salary cap world, that money kind of, you know, like, yeah, I, I, you know, he's LTIR, which is easy enough, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you offer him a lower contract than he has now, but it's, it's really a, a take it or leave it kind of situation because if, if you can keep him healthy, he's a great asset to have. And, he, and he's a guy who will play any role that you give him. But if you can't stay healthy, then, then, you know, you find somebody who's healthy. Yeah. And it just, the additions, uh, well, not the addition. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, his contract when he first started um, a couple of years ago, when he got that deal, I think it was a two year deal. Uh, even Maybe even a three year. I'm not totally sure, but um you know, I, I just that was a block on the on the guys that were coming through the system in 2015 when they got drafted, like the Lozans and the Zamorals, and so on. But another year is just gonna, you know, bottleneck that that continued rise through the system into the Bruins uh, roster. Um, if you if they sign him for another year, now you're putting limited games on a player like Connor Clifton. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do with him? If you bring him down to Providence, he's got to go through the waiver process. And I think he's on a, on a very, very friendly deal. Um, yeah. He was on an entry-level deal this season, but next season starts his $1 million, uh, per for the next three years. So it, it, it's kind of hard. You don't want to get rid of a player like that because he's worked so hard for you. But you also, when it comes to a roster spot, you got to give it to a guy that's, that's going to um, – participate on the ice a lot more on your roster yeah Uh, and yeah like that's the thing is like i'm looking at um you know looking at uh miller's deal like miller's been playing and you know he's been with the bruins since 2012 and it's only this deal in uh that he signed in 2017 that put him up over a million he was making less than a mil every year he signed a uh this this current contract that gives him 2.5 million and honestly you know it's a he's the tail end of that. And it's just one of those, like in that scenario, that's a, you give a guy a $2.5 million contract and sadly due to injury, he hasn't really delivered on that. So that means that, it, you know, his price point goes down. Yeah. That's absolutely. Just kind of where you're at. But yeah, like, you know, you got to save a roster spot when you got guys like, um, you got guys like, like Clifton and, um, and other guys who are playing out of Providence who like, you know, could and should be on the big club. Um, you gotta, you gotta look at those kinds of guys, like getting like, uh, you know, um, guys like Frederick and, and Coleman who are, you know, great players who aren't getting enough of a sniff at the, at, at, you know, ice in, in the NHL um, because 
of how deep the Bruins are right now. And it's just like, yeah, if you got a guy like Kevin Miller who's plagued with injuries, maybe you look at, at giving his spot to somebody else. Yeah, and I'm looking at Cap Friendly too. And, and you talk about a guy like Trent Frederick who's basically been battling his weight in the, down in Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a very, he's a skilled offensive um, forward, but um, his toughness is, is really showing through, especially yeah. this year. Um, and I believe even next year he could be on the roster. I'm not sure what they're going to do with uh, Par Lindholm. He's got one more year at 850, 850K. That's, that, that could be bought out. I'm not sure if they're going to want to entertain bringing back Joachim Nordstrom uh, just because of the cap reasons. And for that, you can, you can insert uh, a guy like Frederick that's on a 925 entry level and, and, and run with it because I think he's, he'd do really good. I thought he played well when in his in his short cup of coffee with the Bruins in previous seasons, but I mean, even players like Zach Sinitian, uh, who who constantly gets hammered for the 2015 draft, uh, he has an option. And but so many people look at his numbers down in Providence and they're not impressed. But when you actually go to these games on the regular and you watch his work ethic, he's he's got a lot of things that he's working on and he's work in progress and. You know, not not many players leave the podium and go right to the NHL, especially not nowadays. You have to stew them a little bit and, and get them used to uh, your system. So anything can really happen. I mean, I remember I remember watching Pasternak here, you know, um, when he was with Providence and uh, the uh, ice caps are still here in St. John's. And he'd come through town with, with Providence. And I remember watching him and it was one of those things where like, you know, he wasn't necessarily like up and down the score sheet, but you could just see that this guy had something a little bit different than everybody else, you know? And, and when you get to watch AHL hockey a lot, that's something you see. It's like, it's not always necessarily a guy who's, who's putting up a bunch of points. And I mean, you know, Pasternak did, but you know, still it's that you can just kind of tell when you're watching somebody that like, Oh, this kid's, this kid's got it. And it's special. And it's going to be when he gets his chance, when he's ready, he's going to be ready, you know? And, and so I think there's a couple guys on the, um, on Providence that are in that position and, and, you know, hopefully sooner than later, they'll get a sniff. But I mean, like, I just remember it was Frederick who like got into a fight in his first NHL game. And yeah, like, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned the ice caps because it was the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so they played the Jets. He just hammered. I I want to say it was Lowry. I could be okay. wrong. I'll I'll see if I can track it down. Well, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I remember like it was a whole thing. It was great. His folks were there. It was um, um, his folks were there. It was like he had grown up being a big Backus fan, and Backus was in the lineup. Yeah, because he's from St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. It was great that way, right? So yeah, I met his parents, his mother and father, and it was so great. nice. And of. Oh, it's Tanev. That's okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would love to see him in, involved in, in the, uh, the Bruins sooner or later. Yeah. Um, so. And I mean, but that's a guy who like, you know, if Kevin Miller isn't on the team anymore, that's a guy who has that spot and whether or not it's a press box thing or not, it's, you know, it gives him a chance to, um, you know, get more games in with the big club. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And like Jack Stanek is another one that you could throw right in there. I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he ripped it up offensively with numbers, but I mean, he had a good season, 23 goals, 25 assists, I believe, but his, um, his uh, penalty killing was unbelievable getting uh, 
seven shorthanded goals, which led the league, led the team. He led the Providence Bruins in points. Now, I had a conversation with uh, uh, a scout, uh, Dom Tiano, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about Studnika and where to put him if he does make the NHL club next season. Yeah. And at first, I wasn't a fan of everybody saying, we'll put him on the right side. He has played there before. Well, Dom kind of taught me off the, off the roof on this one, and it might work. But where do you, who do you take out of the lineup uh, to make that happen? I mean, Andre Kasha is your t- technical right wing, second line. Do you take him out of the lineup and his 2.6 that he's making and insert a rookie that has pretty much improved himself at that level? Or do you go lower in the, in the, uh, in the roster and you start nitpicking um, the Anders Bjorks and so on, the, the Chris Wagner, the, the Sean Corrales. And, and, okay, I mean, all right, don't even talk about, don't even talk about Corrales. Like, Corrales, <laughs> Corrales everywhere. Like, I love Corrales. So don't even talk about him. And the same thing with Wagner. I think, I mean, you talked about, um, I mean, you look at a guy like, uh, um, yeah, like, I don't know, man. You, you, are, you, are in a, you, are, you do got me in a spot here because I'm looking at this. And, yeah, like. It's so hard. You know? I can't figure it out where to where to like insert. I know, and I mean, you talk about a guy like like a like Lindholm and Nordstrom, who you who you mentioned as possible, you know, guys who aren't necessarily sticking around, and but they're both like center left wings, so I mean, doesn't really help. I mean, you've got a couple guys like uh, Kaja and and DeBrusque and and um, you know who are. Um, who are like capable of playing either side, but like, you know, do you want to mess up too much with, with that sort of thing? And so, I mean, it's hard. And I think it just really comes down to, you know, what I think right now where we're, we've gone this long without hockey, we're coming back, we're looking at the playoffs um, and at playoffs in a new format that is hopefully a one and done in terms of its format, but there's a whole bunch of stuff there. And I think that deals with guys like Halak have happened because they're looking at this as a case of like, let's not mess anything up. Like, let's not blow anything up. Let's keep it status quo. Obviously this season where we were trying to make up for losing in game seven of the cup finals last year was interrupted. So let's try to keep as much of that together as we can, as we move forward for next year so that we get a full season with this team, with this core to kind of bring it back and stuff. And so you try not to shake things up too much, but you know, at the same time, like, like a guy like Stanika and, 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 you know, these sorts of guys, like they, they need their shot too. And so it's really hard to make any calls right now. And I think you got to see what happens with this new playoffs and see what happens with that team. And if the team pulls it off and how these guys, like how these role players that are in the third and fourth line, like how those guys are, are getting by, um, you need to see what happens with them before you can really talk about what we're doing with Stanika next year. You know, yeah. uh, cause that's the thing is by now we'd be deep in the playoffs and we'd have a good handle on how these guys were performing and you know, what they were capable of and how they kind of show up in the playoffs and that sort of thing. And you know, that's what, that's what the team needs is guys that are going to be there night after night in the playoffs. And that's, you know, that's the question mark right now that we don't have an answer to it. And I, and I don't think you can really answer questions on the guys coming up from Providence without seeing how the team is working right now and, and, and how those guys in those, you know, lower roles are, are holding through. 
Yeah, one thing about Sidnika and what the Bruins fans um, talk about a lot is his insertion into this into this twenty fourteen playoff where he fits a role. I, I I honestly, as much as I would love to see it, I think that room is is tight, and uh, I I think that they the management and um, and coaching staff they want to roll with the team that got them a hundred points pre COVID. Yeah, and um, got them a hundred yeah. points with twelve games left. Yeah, exactly. So now Studnika and eleven others are going to be called up to be black aces, regardless if they do a reg- if they if they go back to a regular season and then play and then they do the playoffs, they'll be around to skate because there's bound to be injuries. There's been yeah. so much time off. Nobody's been really been skating except for the Europeans. So. I think you know, I mean there's not going to be any kind of regular season. Like if if we come back, we're going straight to the 24 teams, right? Okay. Like yeah. That, I, I like I don't know if that like like I I don't think there's a way you could possibly do regular season. Like I don't think it's just like I and I think it's kind of off the table. I think it's pretty much everybody's agreed that if it's coming back, it's this 2014 format. Okay. All right. That's my understanding anyway. Um, but yeah, like because really like you can't expect guys on the Detroit Red Wings to go through quarantine to isolate themselves for 14 days and then start practicing with the team for four weeks or whatever it is. And then come back and play their 12 games and lose 11 of them and go home out of it. Like that's not fair. to them. Yeah. That's, that's, true. Just, that's the I didn't even think of that. That's the whole point of the 2014 format is just to like scrap those games completely. We get 24 teams and, and that by play in round is what kind of makes up for the lack of, you know, that's it's, it's to save the, the Detroit Red Wings, a, a you know, some hotel fees. Um, but yeah, I think the black aces for the Bruins are going to be, are, are great. Cause I mean, with the AHL season canceled, um, they don't, you don't have to worry about those guys at all. Like it doesn't, you're not take you're not robbing from the Providence Bruins. Um, that's not an issue. And that's always kind of an issue, right? Like that's why generally there's always a flux. Like you don't have the NHL team and the, uh, you don't always have an NHL team and an AHL team that are both in the top because you're often like kind of how you're, you know, one's always going to suffer for the other kind of thing. Right. So, um, and I mean, where were the Bruins this year? Where were like Providence? I can't even remember. They were how first were... in the Atlantic. They were, yeah. they were up there. And uh, I mean, not, not as high as the Milwaukee admirals who were just basically running away with the, with the AHL title before COVID, but uh, no, they were playing really well coming right around goaltending the goaltending this year was amazing to me Dan Vladar coming back off of a high ankle sprain in uh in early December just tore the league up I mean I haven't seen numbers like that in 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 several seasons when uh in that short time frame I mean minus two goals against and like a 940 save percentage he was just on fire I can't wait to see him next year in a full season along with uh, newcomer Jeremy Swayman, uh, and to see where um, Kyle Kaiser fits in, too. We'll see what's happening. But I, I love the goaltending depth that they, this team has. So, Yeah, I mean, but the, the, I mean, that goes back to what we talked about before. But, like, would a guy like, a, a guy like that, like, is he at a point where he would be a 1B? You know, that – speaking of – but that's kind of – it's that embarrassment of riches at, at, the, at the NHL level is kind of – why it completely negates the thing I said earlier. Like usually you don't have both being very good at the same time. Um, And it is a little bit anomalous that they are, but um, to get back, like, yeah, like without the AHL, um, without the AHL team to, um, 
to, to worry about. And you can just kind of rob all their best guys for the black aces. It puts the Bruins in a very good position because not only um, are they able to just have those great guys, but they have those great guys. Like they are playing against a very good team of black aces um, where a lot of teams, you know, a lot of good teams, again, like if, like a good team doesn't always have a good farm club at the same time and, and don't have the same um, kind of back and forth with players. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But, yeah, I think that's where guys like Stanika are really going to, you know, make a difference this year is, like, being somebody who's in there to play against and, and keep that team sharp. Especially yeah, I mean, he, was, he was involved in the, uh, in the Black Aces all last year going right up to the Stanley Cup Finals against the, um, the Blues. So, yeah. I mean, he, he's got that experience. You know, he's those guys are definitely going to be beneficial if there's any injuries, especially with the time off. You never know what's going to happen, and and their workout regimens. I know they do uh, daily or weekly Zoom meetings to make sure that their body fat is down, be prepared, be ready, and obviously check in on on family and so on to make sure that everybody's you know healthy and ready to go. So um, it should be interesting with. Uh, with the, with the talks that are heating up, I, I know that they're going to get back at it uh, sometime this week. It is Memorial Day weekend here in the States. Mm. So uh, that might be a Tuesday conversation where they hammer out some deals and, and actually get scheduling down. But um, I have heard in a recent um, article that I read, and I'm, I'm killing myself that I forgot who wrote it, but they did an into Oh, no, it was, um, it was the, the Zoom conversation with, with Trent Frederick, and he did mention that they threw out several dates to start. So okay. there's there's a little nugget that they that they're throwing out some ideas of uh, when to be ready, but when to be prepared by, and then when the when the final gun goes off, you you be ready to go to work. So I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I was just I'm just ready for hockey to come back or something. I mean, I I love watching golf, but I mean. <laughs> I, I'm I'm like so excited that there's actual another round of golf being played this today. I think it's Tom Brady and and somebody else against Peyton Manning and somebody else. Uh, so it's 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 like a skins game or something like that. But it's actual sports. But to get hockey back and 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 to my biggest thing is it's unfinished business. Like I mentioned yeah. earlier, you know we have to give a cup away. It can't just end at 70 games and then I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's not, that's not right. And, and no, like you do. And, and it's, you know, like it's, there's the, uh, I think they actually do have a uh, bylaw where technically if the season gets outright canceled, the Bruins get the cup. Um, whoever was in first place, I think at the end of the regular season, like, I think that's actually a thing that they put in from like 1919, the last time when the Spanish flu had the, the cup canceled. I think it actually is in the NHL bylaws. Um, I haven't been able to find it, but someone told me it's there and I've been looking for it um, off and on whenever like kind of the mood strikes me and I'm not busy with it. You find it, share that link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, either way, like, but bec it's because of that. They don't want to just give the cup to somebody. And I, it's a shitty way to win the cup too, yeah. right? Like you don't yeah. want if, if that happens, but. Um, don't get the duck boats ready if that happens. What's that? Don't get the duck boats ready oh, God, if that no. happens. No, I mean, it's a really crappy way to do it, especially after, like, coming so close last year. And, I mean, like, I still remember watching that game. And they, did, they went, like, 15 minutes where, like, St. Louis couldn't even get a shot. And then all of a sudden, it's 2 nothing, And I was just like, what is going on in this yeah. world? Um, was, that, was that the game that you guys were uh, live streaming? No, no. Uh, okay. 
Chuck wouldn't do that to me. He actually straight up said, he's just like, you know, we did it. We, we live stream like game five. Yeah. So I watched it for a stranglehold, but it wasn't a chance for uh it was like a stra- it was like a game where you could get a stranglehold on the series, but not a game that would like win or lose it. And when it came to game seven, it was just like, no, we can't, like, I can't have people watch me watch that. Yeah. Because I like, you know, I was losing my shit in game five. They lost yeah. that one too, but. Um, I swear to God, I was going to hire somebody to go up there and guide you from jumping out with one of those windows in the back. <laughs> well, I mean, when the Bruins, I like, I'm, I'm, my office is in my basement. I broke a light in my basement when they lost to Chicago. I came down and like took off my jersey and like threw it across the room and hit one of the like fluorescent lights and the whole thing shattered and rained down on me. So um, I got to be careful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was, uh, uh, but yeah, it took me a long time. I mean, I'm a huge Fratelli's fan. And when they lost to Chicago, I couldn't listen to Chelsea Dagger for like two years. Yeah. Um, I actually, I saw the Fratelli's in Glasgow and they played it like playing it live in their hometown it was the only way I could listen to that. It took two years. It took you two years and being at a bar in Glasgow listening to the band for me to be able to like handle that song again after they lost to the Chicago. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I, I I don't do well with it, and so that's why we wouldn't let we wouldn't live stream a, like a actual game that could have won or lost the cup. <laughs> right? No, I that that's your passion is is just unreal. So and especially from from being from the area that you were from in Newfoundland, so. I mean, it's something, it's weird. It's, it's, you know, up here, I know we talked about it last time, but yeah, like up here, there's still a lot of hockey fans and people um, love it here. And, and there's a lot of passion for, especially the original six teams. And like I mentioned, like I have family uh, ties to Boston and stuff. So my family's always kind of been, been big in the team and um, it's just kind of how it happened. Right. So like you get into it and then you follow them for, you know, the bulk of your life and it's this whole thing. Right. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. And, and it's hard. Like, you know, I got, talk to friends who like a lot of my friends are Leafs fans because that's just like you know the Leafs were the the baby Leafs were here during my kind of formative years so a lot of my friends just kind of like were drawn to that team anyway and and like guys like Chuck who who love the Leafs but you know I've I've seen in the last 10 years like I've seen my team lose in the finals twice and that's really fucking hard to do like it's heartbreaking yeah and you have that question of like what's worse like is it worse to just like lose early or like not even compete or is it like that to get that close and just have it like taken away and like you're committed and you're watching and you're, and you're drawn into it every night for all this time and then the last minute it's just like yanked away from you it's hard it's really hard and then you come back and you put on your jersey and you hang stuff on the wall and you do your whole thing and you're back the next year like okay this is it we're ready to go again and yeah it's it's you know if if I had a if I had a choice, I don't know if I'd be a hockey fan at all. But, <laughs> <laughs> it feels good, but here we are, and I yeah. mean, I'm like as much as I miss watching hockey, I can't wait to play again. I mean, we got a game in. We had a team that we had put together. We were doing Friday night skates. We were putting a team in that we were supposed to play this weekend in that tournament, and um, you know, Chuck started playing. Like Chuck and a couple other guys, like my buddy Dylan and a couple other people, have started playing hockey just to play in this kind of thing. And like those guys are like Chuck played four weeks of hockey, and now he's just like been cut off for two months and he's itching to get back yeah and, uh you know like dylan one of the guys on the team that hadn't played hockey until this all started dylan is out at his folks place uh like under like self-isolation with a, a pad on his backyard like firing pucks at the garage um he just missed had never played growing up and now he started and he's like just jonesing for it that bad so, I mean, I'm really excited to get back at it and get playing again. My wife started playing again this year, and so she's playing with us. And, um, 
she's like, she's missing it a lot. Like everybody's just missing playing as much as I miss watching. Like I can't wait to actually get on the ice myself and neither can my waistline. Like I put on weight, like I just been oh yeah chilling on the couch. Yeah, the quarantine tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like this, this Jersey was bought to wear with gear and it's fit me pretty good without any. So damn COVID. <laughs> I know, right? Like, that was, like it, 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 what really sucked was like, as this all started was like the couple weeks before Easter. So I was just like giant bags of mini eggs. Just like, <laughs> you guys have mini eggs. Is that a thing there? Like, um, explain it. It's like, it's just these like little candy, like there's basically like uh little candy coated eggs. They come in like a big bag. Is it like an M&M? Like an M&M, but bigger and yep. better. Yeah. Okay. Like, same idea like candy coated just chocolate and they're delicious and yeah i probably put myself through like five bags of them uh, in the first couple of weeks on the couch and, and and quickly racked up a few pounds jesus not only gotta you gotta fight away covid but you also gotta fight away diabetes jesus yeah i know right like i'm i gotta i'm going for a hike when we're done this today and you know i've been running and trying to jog a bit and that's killing me but stay I'm active because got to do something like i mean i like in the winter when things are normal like i'm playing hockey 5 6 hours a week and yeah. to not have any kind of like any kind of thing like that an outlet is it's hard my oh, yeah, basement yeah. smells better but i mean <laughs> the stinky hockey bag <laughs> yeah there's like the cuz i play in net and out so i've got i've got my goalie gear my player gear and my wife's player gear are all just like over there and it's <laughs> When we, when, you know, when we got a couple games on the go, it, it's, it's a little rough down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, Mike, thank you so much for the time today. We've gotten a little over an hour. Um, plug was, away anything that you questions. need. We get all four questions? Uh, yeah. Okay. We did. I've completely lost track of this conversation. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems, it, I mean, the time just seems to go. Every week that I do this, it's just like I sit down and all of a sudden like an hour has passed. But unless you wanted to bring something else up we can keep going no i mean i, I i'm good I, I get what you're saying yeah it's like really easy to kind of get caught up in this i had a an interview for another project i'm working on with a guy the other night that was like yeah we'll do like half hour 45 minutes and then three hours later we were like this is we're the best friends now this is great so, yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, like, it's funny how that happens but uh yeah, it's, you know, it's good to talk to somebody. It's good to talk hockey and specifically the Bruins and not have to be apologetic that I'm like constantly talking about the Bruins because that happens sometimes on 3MI. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good to tie and hopefully we get to see some soon. Like I'm anxiously awaiting a point where there's some hockey to watch. Yeah, yeah, uh, same I mean, here. The same one thing here. I'm excited about that we, like, we didn't talk about, about the uh, NHL coming back the way it is, is that if we do this tournament, like the 2014 tournament for the cup and all that, but there's not going to be any fans. And what that means to me is that hopefully the TV broadcasts have a lot of fun with it. And because there's no fans in the rinks, they put cameras places that are not normally cameras at a hockey game. Yep. We're going to get a completely different perspective of watching a game on TV. Yep. And that's something I'm really excited about. The idea of cameras being lower, cameras moving different, um, you know, all kinds of stuff that we haven't been able to watch hockey with because normally there's 10,000 people in the building. But with nobody there, I think they're going to have a lot of fun with that. And I think it's really going to change the way hockey gets watched. I can't wait for the audio, the chirping. You're going to be able oh, to hear man. that more often. Like I will literally $2 a month. I will subscribe to that. Just that yeah. plain audio is going to be funny. I think that, because I mean, that's the thing is you're going to hear 
everything. Like you're going to be able to hear a pin drop. And so honestly, I don't know how they're going to do it on like network broadcast. I know. Right. <laughs> but it's been like, I mean, I remember last year, like, you know, when the, um, when the blues won the cup last year, and I don't want to talk about that too much, but when the blues won the cup last year, like there was nothing but cursing happening on the ice. It was just a bunch of like, fuck yeah. yeah. And you're just like, man, this is like broadcast television. Like this is, we're watching this on NBC. Oh and yeah. So like, you know, when you can hear clear chirping happening like that in a, in a hockey rink during a playoffs, especially like a grueling technically five round playoff, like, yeah. man, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. And honestly, like, I think they're going to have to like move to HBO or something, or like you said, like do a stream version of it where you're paying for it. That like is unlocked that like you clarify, like, no, I'm 19 plus. I can listen to this kind of language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I can listen to Marshan chirp like your mama jokes oh, all day. <laughs> you imagine just like a full playoffs of a hot mic Marshan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's audio gold. I'm telling you. Oh man. That'd be incredible. <laughs> All right, my friend, thank you so much for, for this conversation. It's been really fun. It's good to have you back on. It's good to actually talk Bruins with you. Yeah, like the great. last time, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I can't wait for more episodes, but I got a little caught up in the, uh, you know, I was like a giddy little school child, you know what I mean? But, I uh, I'm excited for more episodes too. Like I really miss it, and, and it, like I said, it's just that – you know, during all this, it's just, it's, sometimes it's just really hard. And I, and I commend you for doing it. Like, it's really hard to just kind of push through and keep making stuff about hockey when there isn't hockey to really talk too much about. And, and for me and Chuck, like, we tend to go off on tangents anyway, the same way me and you can and have in the past. But, you know, when there's not really hockey content to discuss too hard, other than just speculating about what this is going to be. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard to do it, especially – and focus on it and keep keep on top of it when there's everything else going on and you know world's on fire but uh you know it's hard so like we're excited to just have hockey to talk about and get back to it and do it pretty regularly but hopefully we'll have a new episodes soon yeah my motivating factor is my advertising contract so you know i just with those guys i don't want to disappoint them but also it gets me more involved to like get in touch with with somebody like you uh weeks in advance and just say hey Let's hammer something out this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, yesterday's wind was absolutely crazy, and my internet was going in and out. It was just nuts. So we do, couldn't do it yesterday. But yeah, it's wild. It was windy here, but yeah, that's I haven't had knock out my internet wind. Like even during that snowstorm, I never lost power or internet or anything. That oh, Jesus, that's crazy. I know it was wild. <laughs> All right, Mike, why don't you plug uh, what you can, and uh, we will uh, bid you adieu. Um, well, yeah, uh, 3MI obviously is, uh, it's a, uh, podcast that hopefully we'll be back kind of soon. We are kind of intermittent. We're still doing episodes, but it's just not weekly. It's just kind of when, when we get a chance to, I've got a, a thing started called uh, double your bubble. That's literally just like talking to people around Newfoundland about like doubling their social bubbles. It's a two minute micro podcast that kind of, again, is it started daily for the first week or so. And then it's just kind of petered to whenever somebody hops on and, and chats to me about that. I've got another podcast that's getting started up soon. Um, that's coming from crypt TV. So hopefully, uh, that's me. Like that's some horror movie stuff, which as you can probably tell from my office is a big part of my, my life. Uh, that's happening soon. I'm working on a book that will be due out in the fall called terror Nova. It's a bunch of Newfoundland inspired horror stories that I'm working on with like 11 other authors. So that'll be cool too. So there's all kinds of stuff that I'm constantly picking away at. So hopefully, uh, you know, you can find something somewhere, but the easiest way is to just, like I said, follow me on Twitter at Hickey Mike, and you get kind of the news about all the other projects from there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Solid follow, folks, and a great Bruins fan. But again, thank you so much, Mike, for the for the time. It's been uh, a pleasure to have you on, and we'll definitely do it again uh, soon, hopefully with uh, some some hockey talk that will uh, be going around the NHL with a 24-team format. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, YouTube viewers. We really appreciate the time. Patreon members, continue to thank you for the, the, for the contributions that keep coming in. And uh, the folks out there on Twitter that retweet and Facebook that share, we, we, the, the support is, has been tremendous. So we will have another guest on next week. So until then, stay safe, everybody, and happy Memorial Day. And please remember those who fought and paid the ultimate price. Um, but take care. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.